Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Good afternoon, my name is Rebecca Evans and I am the Gallery's Curator of Decorative Arts and Design. I'd like to start by paying my respects to um, the Ghana people on whose land we stand today. Um, pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. We are currently in Gallery 6 um, and for those, and I suspect we may have some uh, not so uh, recent or, or normal visitors because of Clarice Beckett still being open downstairs. We're currently in the gallery that houses our post-1945, post-World War II Australian collections. This also happens to be one of the smallest parts of the gallery and our post-1945 Australian collection of course is the largest part of our collection. So you will notice that in this space we are continually changing over the works that we have on the walls because we want you to see more of the largest and probably one of the most significant parts of the gallery's collection. Now, as the curator of decorative arts and design, I have uh, the fortune to look after the best part of the collection, the most important, or the things that really get my heart beating the fast. So I look after works that are fashion, textiles, jewellery, glass, ceramics, furniture, and I always forget one of my children, I think that's all of the collecting areas, I say ceramics. Um, the works that have always interested me the most in my profession have always been the works that relate to the human body. So that is fashion and jewellery are kind of the areas that I probably focused my most attention in writing and exhibiting and collecting over the last however many years. I'm going to talk to you about a semi-new display of the gallery's, part of the gallery's contemporary jewellery collection. Now I'm going to delve a little bit into what contemporary jewellery is, talk a little bit about this particular collection and how it came to the Art Gallery of South Australia, and then I'm going to look at some individual um, artists that we have on display. Now the gallery has two Oh, now I'm lying, I'm starting with a different part. The gallery has two significant contemporary jewellery collections, quite distinct from each other, two really different collecting histories. The first is the Rhiannon Vernon Roberts Memorial Collection. This collection was initiated by Professor Barry and Dr. Jane Vernon Roberts in 1992 as a memorial to their daughter, Rhiannon Vernon Roberts, who died very suddenly and very tragically in an accident in late 1991. She was a contemporary jeweller who um, was educated at the Sydney College of the Arts um, and was involved in a very tragic traffic accident. And what Barry and Jane wanted to do was they wanted to support the acquisition of contemporary jewellery for the Art Gallery of South Australia as a living memory of Rhiannon. I'm getting like goosebumps thinking about that. And since late 1992, Barry and Jane have supported around 150, the acquisition of 150 works for the Art Gallery of South Australia, which has transformed the collection from being a handful of a few works to really tracking a very interesting and important period in the development of the contemporary jewellery movement. Now the second part of our collection 
here at the Art Gallery is the Dowda Collection, which for those who visited the gallery semi-regularly would be familiar with that collection, which was gifted by some local private benefactors in its entirety in 2017. We had that on display in 2018 and we wrote a book. But the difference between the two collections is that the Rhiannon Vernon Roberts Memorial Collection has very much been dictated by curatorial ideas around collecting first by Christopher Menz, then by Robert Reason, and now I have the great fortune to spend money in, in that fund to support the acquisition of contemporary jewellery. While the Dowder collection has very much been collected by two individuals' personal tastes, so very different. Um, now, in 20, I think I've got my dates right, in 2016 or 2015, I can't remember exactly, Barry Vernon Roberts passed away and Jane now very much passionately supports this institution continually um, and supports me very much personally and professionally to continue to acquire what she says, just go crazy, Rebecca, buy the biggest, the boldest things you can possibly get your hands on. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, but just to rewind the clock a little bit and to think about what contemporary jewellery is. Of course, humans have long adorned themselves in jewellery for lots of different reasons. Made jewellery uh, for love, for loss, to show affiliation, um, activism. And the suffragettes and the suffragists were great jewellery wearers. Jewellery is long embedded in a sense of who humans are. It connects us to our place in the world and to who we belong. In the 1960s, the 1970s, particularly in North America and Europe, there was this great movement, well, there was a great craft revival, but in terms of contemporary jewellery, this movement started around that time with an idea and a thirst by makers, especially those who've been trained in metalwork, to bring together and at times challenge the traditions of materiality, but also the purpose of jewellery, and bring that together with contemporary practice. That is a practice that really represents and reacts to, I guess, art of its time. So in, in one way, it's part sculpture. Another way, it's adornment. Sometimes it can be, uh, you know, a fashionable accessory. But the thing that I've always been interested around that is it's art that doesn't belong on a wall. It's art that is meant to operate not within the four walls of an art gallery, but on your body, and then to be taken out of inside interiors and into the real world. And I think that's something that's always excited me about those parts of decorative arts like fashion that are art, but also meant to be outside of the four corners of a traditional art gallery space. Now, what we have here along the ramp, which is um, wonderful uh, semi-regular, recent new display um, that we put together um, in the middle of the first lockdown in 2020. Um, and I wanted to, I mean, Jane Vern, Dr. Jane Vernon-Roberts had been very generous to the gallery in early 2020. She supported a new work of colonial jewellery, which is on display by Julia Schomburg in Gallery 2. And to acknowledge her generosity, I wanted to bring uh, together a new display of the Rhiannon Vernon Roberts collection. And also bearing in mind that 2022, so next year, will mark 30 years of giving, of consistent giving to acquire the same types of work, which is something we haven't really seen in terms of history of benefacting 
really in any institution that particular focus and that consistency um, in a particular area. And we had two architects who worked for a company, Skane, design these bespoke showcases so that we could bring out parts of the Vernon Roberts collection and have that on permanent display. And for this particular display, I chose, I haven't got a number, I think it's seven um, women uh, contemporary jewelers from the gallery's collection who have A, been practicing for at least 30, 40 years, and B, that we had collected over a number of different parts of their career, so over a few different decades. And I always, uh, well, this is something I have just kind of begun to wrap my head around, is that in the decorative arts and design collection here at Art Gallery of South Australia, we don't have what we call a women problem. I am very fortunate to hold a collection where I have fairly even representation of male and female makers in my collection area, particularly in the Australian collection. It's very nice and even. And part of the reason why I have nice even between men and women is the Rhiannon Vernon Roberts collection because most of the major makers of contemporary jewellery in Australia are in fact women. So I'm in this very nice, fortunate position where I get to surround myself with amazing female makers. So the works from left to right, the makers rather from left to right, are Julie Blyfield, Leslie Matthews, Jean-Mi Du, Margaret West, Catherine Truman, Marion Hosking, and Blanche Tilden. Oh, and Kalia Makagawa, I think I've got that in the right order. Most of these, with the exception of Jean Midou, who's slightly younger, have been practicing for many, many decades and consistently in the area of contemporary jewellery. What I'd like to do is just speak to a few of the works and a few of the makers that are on display in these showcases. Most of them, or well, half of them are South Australian and the other half um, in Melbourne. I guess the wonderful thing about having the Gem Factory and other institutions like um, Grey Street Workshop here in Adelaide is that we have a wealth of amazing contemporary jewellers to choose from in the acquisition of works for the gallery's collection. But I'll just start with Julie Blyfield, whose works are on the far left, and I know they're quite small, jewellery is. So after I've spoken, please get up and have a really close look. It's a wonderful thing about the showcases that you can get your nose up really close and have a look at the details of each of the works. Julie is very much a leading craftsperson. Um, she is well known for not just her execution in her te technique, but her continual approach to uh, concept and exploring new ideas and processes um, in her practice. At the same time, she very much hones in uh, to a lot of the traditional practices. So the techniques that she uses in her work is not dissimilar to the techniques that would be used in a Fernhaber or a Schomburg or any of the major colonial silver and goldsmiths who, whose work we have on display in the elder wing of Australian art. Uh, in addition to that, and much like those same makers, uh, Blyfield's work also explores a lot of Australian flora and fauna. 
And for the work that's on the far left, which is this beautiful, exquisite, like it's a vessel um, pendant, uh, which is called the Pod Necklace from 2003, comes out of a body of work that she created working with the collection at the Museum of Economic Botany, which you'll hear again when I speak about another artist later on. And she has long employed botanical specimens in her work. Her husband's aunt, Margaret Nobbs, was a great botanist here in South Australia and has great connections with the uh, Museum of Economic Botany and also the collections at the Botanical Gardens. But unlike, I guess, the silversmiths who were of the 19th century who were trying to create exact replicas of Australian flora. For Blyfield's work, she very much looks at, I guess, gestures and textures within botanical specimens and draws those out in her practice. Very delicate, very subtle forms. I've got a wonderful quote here, and she says, I really enjoy working with all plant forms, particularly the Australian eucalypt, wattles, and other native plants. Quite often my eye is attracted to the simple leaf and petal forms I collect on walks in my neighbourhood or places we visit in the remote desert or northeast South Australia. The diverse range of native grasses and exotic plants, including succulents, gardenias, in our garden constantly inspire me. The next artist I'd like to speak to is Catherine Truman, who's someone who I have worked quite closely with since coming to South Australia in 2016. We were able to uh, showcase a really important part of her practice, part of uh, Sala 2016. And Catherine is an amazing and completely relentless supporter and maker and advisor and just beautiful mentor to me in so many ways um, and she has just come off the back of a major exhibition at the Museum of Economic Botany which closed last week. Of course she has also strong interests in the history of that particular institution but the two works that we have on display in this display here on the ramp predate really her strong interest in botanical specimens and science. Um, and these relate to an earlier part in her practice. On the, so I should identify them. They are red, so they're very easy to identify. There are two works. One is titled Brooch Number One on the right, and on the left we have Red Gut Necklace. And these are two great works to have on display here because they do tap into important pivots and parts of Catherine Truman's career. She has long employed um, English limewood, which is a particularly good carving material, this beautiful vermilion shade of shunaku ink, which is a, a Japanese ink, and the techniques of carving in her practice. She's had long interests around the relationship between art and science, particularly its relationship to the human body, its movements, its limitations, and of course our obsessive drive to understand it. In 1990, she received the Japan-South Australia Cultural Exchange Scholarship, giving her the opportunity to study the traditional Japanese craft of Netsuke carving. This formative training developed her wood carving skills, enabling her to produce expressive and intricately carved work, much like brooch number one. These enigmatic and almost fleshy-like forms capture very much the 
essence of those early days of her practice. Unfortunately, they also uh, meant that she sustained continual injury from working in such an intricate way. And she later discovered the Feldenkrais method, which advocates for a full awareness of the human body and its movement. This seminal experience uh, led to Truman's engagement with the medical field. And since 2007, she has collaborated on a number of projects with the neuroscientist and poet, Professor Ian Gibbons, uh, specifically through his work at Flinders. Truman has long uh, held interest in the human body and the work Red Gut Neck Necklace, which is um, that big red necklace there, very much speaks to this. It is made from painted plastic tubing, which has then been uh, painted and heated. And the artist has kind of blown through it, almost in the same way that you would blow glass, if anyone's had the opportunity to see that. And it's created this kind of bulbous necklace shape, which very much is reminiscent of the human gut. The work that she had at her exhibition at the Museum of Economic Botany um, the exhibition was titled Shared Reckonings, um, was much larger in scale to the jewellery that we see here on display by her. And it's not unusual for jewellers to work in much larger scale and to move from it being an exact brooch or a necklace or an exact piece of jewellery. Part of the reason behind that is because jewellery or contemporary jewellery is very much just miniature sculpture in many ways and so to create sculpture is a very normal step for many makers as they mature in their career. I'd like to also draw your attention to the work of Blanche Tilden. Blanche Tilden also has an exhibition at the moment. She has a major 25-year retrospective at Geelong Art Gallery. Anyone has the opportunity to go see that? I'm very jealous of you. and also encourage you to see that show, I think, curated by Jason Smith, the director at Geelong. She's a Melbourne-based um, craft artist. She graduated Canberra School of Art, specialising in glass and gold and silversmithing. Much like many of the great glass artists here in South Australia, she also studied at the same school. She went on to train under the renowned curator, artist and jeweller um, Susan Conn as part of Australian Council traineeship. Tilden has long employed glass and metalwork techniques to create her jewellery. Uh, she has strong interests in architectural qualities, exploring those in jewellery and adornment. Her works are normally always articulated in some way and they very much imitate almost like tiny little tinkering machines that move, um, all the pits kind of move and have different um, shapes and forms. The works that we have on display here in the gallery's collection date from 1997 and 2003. And they show not so much her evolution but just the way that she's continually exploring glass in her work and you can really see her interest in sort of mechanical movements and machines from left to right I should say they're in the the third showcase the one closest to me the three works on the left um, from left to right the works are titled Big Small Pulley 1997, Drop Necklace 2 2003 and Long Scissors 1997.
The other work, which is a semi and mo the most recent addition to the gallery's Vernon Roberts collection, is the work of Kalia Makagawa. We had an acquired work by Makagawa for a number of years, and she is one of the most important contemporary jewelers working in Australia at the moment. Uh, so the two little brooches, they're in the third showcase in the works, the three works closest to me. The two little brooches date from 1993, while the necklace, which is a little bit shadows, you do need to get up close to see it, um, is from 2017. We acquired that work through the support of the Vernon Roberts Fund in 2020. One of the first things I bought after coming back from maternity leave. This work is titled Oxidize 925 Silver Necklace and is a large sculptural necklace handcrafted framework forms in silver. Makagawa was born in Perth and she graduated in 1980 from Curtin University in Fine Arts. Um, since that time, she has become very much a leading educator and craftsperson in Australia and is exhibited here and internationally. It's nice to bring her again into the gallery's collection since we hadn't acquired works for a number of decades from this leading craftsperson. This display here that we've put together um, for Gallery 6 um, showcases a very small part of the gallery's collection of contemporary jewellery. We aim to change it over maybe um, once a year to really showcase to you the extraordinary breadth of the gallery's collection. Um, I'm delighted to have Jane Vernon Roberts' ongoing support to acquire bigger and bolder and best pieces of contemporary Australian jewellery I can get my hands on. And I think we might need to get a slightly bigger showcase at some point in the not too distant future to really showcase maybe some of the bigger and crazier works that we might acquire in the not too distant future. All right, thank you. <laughs>